Coming in with a little Tom Petty, coming in hot on the training camp report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta. Uh, Mike of the uh, DVE Morning Show, Matt and I of uh, the Steelers Radio Network. I also, uh, you can find my work at uh, DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, but we are uh, we are wrapping up a day in which, Mike, we didn't see a single bit of practice because the Steelers moved inside today. I'm strangely okay with that, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I, They're I, having a lean-in week. I'm having a get-on-with-it week. <laughs> this is usually the time at training camp. Now, we've only been watching for a week. But this is usually about the time you're, you're like, start counting down the days. Okay, when's that first preseason game? I've seen enough practice uh, Steelers hitting Steelers. I want to see some something a little different here, and we're nowhere near that time yet. It's just yeah. not going to well, happen. In the real world, you're thinking I've had enough of the preseason games at this point. But like to your point, you've been at camp long enough to say, okay, let's get a preseason. I want to see know, what like, some of these right, guys right. look like against somebody else. Yeah, here is it. I can right. watch T.J. Watt beat Zach Banner and Chuksakor for any day, all day long. Yeah. Yep. I hear you saying. I, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out by now. Do you? I'm good. I'm good. Start the season. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's just skip ahead. It's kind of like the whole off. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole off season. That's uh, that's the whole deal here with what we're dealing with. Uh, I mean, we've been in mid season form with this show. Well, that that goes oh, without. Wow. Yeah. You know. There's no question about that. Yeah. And Wes, our man behind the glass, is in mid season form because he comes in with you wreck me on a day. What Dale? When T.J. Watt said what? I want to be a game wrecker. I want to be a game wrecker. I want to, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, you thought there was do that. Interesting Quest quote from uh, from T.J. Watt, and certainly he is at that point already. Uh, he, I don't think he has to aspire to that. I no. think he's already there. Continues to be. Yeah. Um, uh, let's let's go there, Mike. Uh, since we did talk to him this morning for the first time uh, at this camp, and he has been virtually unblockable. It doesn't seem to matter who they put over there. Uh, is that does that raise any eyebrows for you in terms of the right tackle battle, or is that just T.J. Watt being T.J. Watt? I would go with the latter. I, I think he's that good. Um, he, he was a legit defensive player of the year candidate last year, and this is a guy who who doesn't rest, uh, never gets satisfied. I think if they're ever fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl with T.J. Watt on the team, he's going to want to win another one and another one, and you can – you know, translate that to defensive player of the year or what have you. You know, he said a lot of great stuff in that Zoom call today. I think it was about uh, it was actually 14 minutes and 24 seconds because I wrote down the time that his last answer ended. And one of the last things he said was, "I have a lot to improve, including being a better teammate." Hmm. And he talked about he's fortunate to be a part of something bigger than just myself. And how the stats don't matter because you can't double-team everybody on this Steelers defense. Somebody is going to get there. And, um, wow, he just he continues to impress. Dale, I got a real kick, too. Uh, you'll appreciate this more than Matt. Uh, you remember when T.J. Watt was a rookie. I certainly and do. <laughs> I don't think he spoke for 14 minutes and 24 seconds that whole season. Combined. But I would now, agree with that, yeah. <laughs> now he's a leader. Now he's a spokesman. Now he likes to have his voice heard. And uh, boy, just what a what a grand slam they hit with that draft choice. It's very David DeCastro like in that he didn't say much early on. And we said the, the same thing yesterday about Minka. Yeah, same thing with Minka. Yeah. You got some guys who are growing into those leadership roles uh, with this team, and 
they're good young players. And, well, two of them are good young players. De Castro is obviously at a different, right. different point in his career. Uh, but these are guys that you want to build your franchise around. Right. But De Castro and Cam won't be there forever, and these are the next ones. And, you know, someone's being quiet this year that's going to step up next year. And, you know, that it, it, breeds, it breeds success. And some guys never get over that quietness. It's just not that. Like Heath Miller never. Troy was quiet. Right? Never got over that. Yeah, Troy was never, you know, real vocal rah rah hey we got to do this guys let's mm-hmm. you know that that just wasn't him um but apparently for Watt, and you see the respect that the teammates have for both him and Minka actually every time they make a play they like there's no oh, yeah it, it's an explosion over there because i think the other guys realize that hey these two these two guys are pretty special <laughs> yeah, they're pretty helpful to the, <laughs> to the cause here right welcome them with open, open arms and, you know, as frustrating as that can be, like, you know, DeCastro and Watt were both number one picks, and obviously those guys are going to attract a lot of attention, and you want to get as much info on these guys as you can when they first arrive and, and do a lot of stories about them because that's what people are interested in. As frustrating as it can be when they are less than forthcoming, I much prefer that to the guys who make all kind of noise before they've do done nothing. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, I do agree. nothing. Yeah. I, I really like the approach. You know, Fitzpatrick was a little different. He was coming from a different team, but he wanted to establish himself in Pittsburgh before a totally different guy now, right? Uh, yeah. What did Matt say yesterday? The Alabama swagger is showing, and it's it's great. Mm-hmm. But it, everything in its time and its sequestered, you know, or not the in sequence is what I'm trying to say. Like, come in, right. establish yourself, start to uh, inflict your personality and your will on your team, and then become a leader. And uh, T.J. Watt told me one time that was his plan all along, like. He did that by design. I wonder if he got some uh, advice the, from somebody. Big brother, you think? I think Castro's just kind of a quiet guy that didn't have a whole lot to say. And he's still not what I would call loquacious, but uh, I just he's think he's very. Those... He's, you get very thoughtful answers out of him, though. Yes, much yeah. like you know, Cam. You get you get you know they they put deep thought into these the mm-hmm. answers that they give you, whereas a lot of guys just will say whatever. They don't, you know. I remember the interview we, we played with the Castro, what, a week or two ago, and you guys said the same thing. Like, we may not hear from him often, but when we do, we should pay a little more attention than the average bear, you know? Like, I just think back to, uh, and I'm just, just using, he's on TV right now, so I'm going to use him as an example. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was, was very talkative from day one. But you would hear, if you did six different interviews with Le'Veon and asked him the same question six different times, depending on what answer you wanted from Le'Veon, that's what you would get from Le'Veon. You would hear six different things. I remember you saying, like, during his holdout and all that situation, that he's somebody that wants to please. So he probably told his agent, hey, you do what you want. Told the fans, hey, I'll be in. Tells us, you know, the the locker room, don't worry, guys, I got you. But, you know, you got to make a stand. Yeah, and so I don't know that he ever put a lot of thought into the things that he said. He was always always talkative, and, and I always enjoyed the conversations with him, and I think the teammates enjoyed being around him, mm-hmm. whereas these guys are – and he, he was a great player. And he was never disliked, right? No, he right. was never never you know disliked. Um, these guys are great players. No, not like that other guy. Not, well, I mean, I think the other guy <laughs> that grew to that to that point when where he, you know, not only was a, a jag off – on the field, he was or jag off off the field. He was jag off on the field too. Yeah, that they, they loved him on Sunday. Until they loved him on Sundays until one. he stopped showing up. Yeah, <laughs> that, that one Sunday he wasn't there. That that went away. But yeah, I think, Matt, I think you made a great point about Le'Veon. Um, he he was um, 
he seemed to enjoy the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, he could uh, he could tell you what you wanted to hear. What Steeler fans probably don't want to hear is this injury report from today. This was, oh, this no. is a pretty lengthy one, and they had a couple of guys go down during practice as well. Uh, injuries and did not practice today, according to the handy-dandy pool report. Is it still a pool report if the team's media relations department does this? You don't pool together, right? They didn't Wasn't pool that... this together. It was They put it together. It's P-O-O-L, right? Yes. Not P-U-L-L. P-O-O-L. Okay. Like you yeah. ju- you've driven into, into the, the pool. pool. Not yeah. like we all uh, anyway, so Kevin Dotson uh, missed another day. He's dealing with a knee injury that happened uh, late last week. Terrell Edmonds, they list as a day off. Well, he's had the day off now three straight days. <laughs> yeah, all right, right. Three straight practices. Yeah, you, don't get, you don't get three days off, do you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. Um, Jerron Jones, the offensive uh, tackle, uh, they just put new on there. Uh, he has, of course, been with the team for a while, but that's a new injury, I guess. Yes. Uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, the wide receiver trying to make the roster, was on crutches today. I saw him pull up yesterday uh, about midway through practice uh, with uh, with something. He was limping a little bit and went over and talked to John Norwig, uh, but he was on crutches today. Uh, Deontay Johnson with the calf injury, that's now about a week for him. Yeah, that's lingering, huh? Um, Vance McDonald got the Veterans Day off, uh, as we see. I wonder if that was because they were moving indoors on the field turf, just decided to get Doesn't him. everybody get Veterans Day off? Usually, yeah. I, we, oh, we don't. <laughs> we, don't right. we don't, but that's beside the point. Uh, Chooks, uh, core four, still dealing with the groin issue. Uh, Wendell Smallwood with the shoulder. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster listed as a day off. Well, he was off yesterday as well, so mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a day. Uh, you get two days off? And then uh, Chris Wormley also dealing with a shoulder injury. He's now missed uh, a bunch of practices already in this camp. Yes, he has. Uh, yes, he the Castro's back, though, right? Remember, he had missed. Castro was back yesterday. Okay. Yeah, the Castro's back. Pa- Marquise Pouncey back today. He had the uh, excused absence for a funeral. He must have, been, have cleared his way through the uh, COVID protocol again. He would have had to do that twice. Um, you know, after oh, right, after right. leaving camp, he would have had to do it again. Ben Roethlisberger back today, but uh, we saw Kareth White leave uh, midway through practice. Well, we didn't see it, but apparently Kareth White left midway through practice with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Ryan Switzer had an injury to his right foot uh, during a drill and did not come back. And then uh, there was another one. Who am I missing here? Alexander Myers. Ah, Alexander Myers, the little corner. He last year he uh, was uh, he showed up at training camp last year with mononucleosis and was released, mm. um, much to Danny Smith's chagrin because the kid I guess is a pretty good special teams player. Led all defensive backs in, in college oh, okay. the year before in special teams tackles. And now he's a little he is, fellow, though, right? Yeah, he's he's now dealing with uh, some kind of uh, undisclosed injury now as well. Yeah, they thought they had a find with him last year. That was like a, a recruited uh, recruited free agent, and uh, they thought there was a real chance for him. And it just never got off the ground last year. And uh, this is not a positive step toward getting it off the ground this year. It is not. Um, big big practice squad could help us cause though. You know, we you know remember earlier today we were talking about. There could certainly be two corners on the practice squad this year. Maybe one of them's a slot type. I assume that's what he projects to. I don't know much about the young man. Yeah, I mean, we'll see you what uh, what happens like, with, yeah. with all this. But uh, certainly the injuries starting to mount up. Uh, they, the Steelers have been reasonably healthy uh, throughout the first portion, the first week of training camp. But now they're starting to get a lot of those, uh, you know, knees, groins, um, that kind of stuff that uh, the usual aches and, and pains yeah. of, a, of a training camp. And uh, – we're seeing a lot of this stuff around around the league, actually. Yeah, it's it's hard to figure out what's real and what isn't around the league. You know, I mean, there's so many 
every team can have a report like that, give or take, or you know, small roster moves. And I, I tend to think that this is just a lot of precautions, but there are probably a lot of injuries worse than we really know. Yeah, and that's the one thing you, you just won't know since teams aren't playing games. Right. Um, you're not you're not going to get an injury report until that first week of the season. Uh, but certainly, um, Steelers are a little thin at the wide receiver position, uh, Mike. They they started today's practice with six receivers uh, active by my count. Uh, they ended it with five. I think if we see a receiver signed before Thursday's practice, we'll know that some of this stuff's a little more long-term than, uh, than Deontay's been out a little while. Yeah, Deontay Johnson's been out a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington yeah. just got back, too, right? Yeah, James Washington came back last week, so... Um, you know, they could be dealing with, uh, you know, in a situation where they need to go out and get that. They signed Ray Ray McLeod last week, late last week. Or was that earlier this week? Over the weekend. I think it was last week. It was weekend. over the weekend. Yeah, Friday, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, we could see them go out and maybe sign another wide receiver before Thursday. And in the meantime, more reps for Chase Claypool. Yeah, I was thinking What did we too. wait? About 14 minutes about to 14 mention minutes. Chase Claypool. <laughs> he showed up all over this practice report. Most of it yes, good. Yes, he did. Most yeah. of it Some good. Some of it not. But they did note that both he and Anthony McDonald, who's also uh, featured prominently in the practice report, both he and Anthony McDonald. McFarland? Or McFarland, I'm sorry. McFarland dropped passes today from both Ben Roethlisberger Uh. and Mason Rudolph. Uh. We've been a rare occurrence for uh, Claypool. Did you notice this morning, Mike, when we talked to uh, Keith Butler, I believe you asked a question about Chase Claypool and what he's uh, what his I did because we had gone like four questions in and nobody had asked him about <laughs> Chase Claypool and I thought even though he's the damn defensive coordinator I want to talk about the second round pick the dead gum second round pick and he, I'm he's... having a hard time keeping a lid on the enthusiasm he started off by saying though I thought at first he had brick hands yes yes he did he said since in the he said in the past week though he's caught everything until ter- well, today he, today, he cursed him yeah the last little while, so right. What? what the did only time. The he only said, time he doesn't. When the pads came on. When the pads came on, and it was time to play football. This kid's a gamer. It's, it's either that, or he only catches passes in front of the media. <laughs> yeah, a lot of media is going to be at the games. That's true. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's going to be some Not media as much at the as games. Usual, but yeah, there will be some. <laughs> no, I just think you know it's an ongoing story, and I, I hope people. Uh, aren't projecting too much. I'm not saying he's going to have 1,800 yards receiving and 31 touchdowns, but I think he's going to be an impactful guy on offense and on special teams. And I think that it was pretty important that uh, those boxes get checked out of the draft, uh, the way free agency went. And, uh, you know, more good buzz for Alex Highsmith as well. Uh, as Bill Cower might say, those are situations that they will need to continue to monitor because that stuff has to continue. But, uh, it, it's it's been pretty consistent uh, with both. And, boy, we had uh, Keith Butler talking about Claypool and Highsmith today, uh, T.J. Watt talking about Highsmith. Uh, what was Eric Ebron tweeted about Claypool yesterday. Correct, you know, yes. They're all yeah, calling really. they're, they're calling him problem now, like uh, Joe Hayden started it, and then Eric, Eric Ebron picked up where Hayden left off. I, I was talking to Craig Wolfley today, and I said, Wolf, this is amazing to me. Uh, in your day, the veterans did not tweet about the rookies. And one of the reasons why was in your day, there was no Twitter. There weren't even cell phones. But They had to send uh, up smoke signals. That yeah. was the yeah. Car- <laughs> carved on a brick wall. <laughs> These guys wall. are getting uh, getting respect and recognition from established guys, it seems to me, quicker than your average bear. Including Mike Tomlin. 
Including Mike Tomlin. Good He's point by you. Praise rookies early on. Not typically. It? I mean, I, I can recall uh, his first year. Um, we were having, uh, you know, we're standing on the sidelines, and Lawrence Timmons was making some plays in 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 some drills, and he made a point to come over to some of the reporters that were standing there. Mike, I don't remember if you were standing there with us. Oh, I was there. Okay. Yeah, I was there. And I, I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. So I'm curious how he, you're going to get he there. He said. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, "Hey, he's let's not uh, let's not give him the uh, gold the trophy award. award yet, just just yet. Although he didn't, he <laughs> just had him on. He the didn't say yet. trophy in, right. in there. He said something else. But let's not give him that trophy just yet. <laughs> yes. um, he's got a long way to go. Uh, but you could and see it, was a, it, would, it would be a very desirable trophy if somebody would give it to you. <laughs> I suppose a so. Colorful, huh? A little more colorful and certainly worth a lot. But um, <laughs> yeah." Uh, you know, he's always made it a point not to blow the rookies up too much. Sure. And with this, you know, even when he had Ryan Shazier, you know, starting from the get-go, or, you know, Devin Bush, Bush last, last year was year, always, right, yeah. you know, yeah, he's still got a ways to go. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. And that hasn't been the case with Chase Claypool or, or any really any of these the, those top three rookies. Is it just because it's so undeniable with Claypool? I mean, he doesn't look like anybody else out there. He's shining. I mean, he's... A little different than the rest. I just think I think they're pretty excited about this. I think they probably went into this with the kind of the same expectations that we had. That man, this is going to take some time for these guys. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom! They're they're looking like people who can contribute from the get go. I wonder, and this is kind of fantasy related. You, you and I talk about: Are we undervaluing what some of these rookies might do? I mean, they've been chomping at the bit too, and you know they've been. Locked down with their face in the playbook, you know, probably more well, we, than most. You know, years we talked and... about that in the off season, Matt. Like the the last time something like this happened was in 2011, mm-hmm. and that two thousand didn't seem to affect the 2011 draft class. No, right? They're but they were studies, they were right? a, a substantial. You know, there were a bunch of studs in that draft class, mm-hmm. uh, but they came out and performed well from the get go, despite not having an off season. And they weren't getting coached up. I mean, there was no. Right, Zoom they couldn't calls. have any contact. They were just sitting yeah. at home, you know, without an iPad, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. You know what really changed my uh, thinking on it? And I was, I was with you guys. I was kind of thinking the longer things were on hold, okay, <laughs> it'll, it'll come back eventually. But the rookies aren't really going to be a major factor anywhere. And then Randy Feigner made the point. Dale, when did we talk to him? Just before camp started, or uh, you know, before we were allowed before to go? Before we were allowed in, yeah. They were already in camp, but he said, "Hey, Deontay Johnson basically did very little uh, before training camp last year." And I thought, "Well, he had a pretty good year. I guess you know maybe if you can run routes well and catch, you can you can overcome the lack of uh, six hundred or eight hundred or a thousand snaps, whatever it was." But uh, he hardly participated in rookie minicamp. He missed almost all the OTAs, and when he got to training camp, he said he wasn't in great shape, and uh, that that came around quick. And uh, look at the year he had. So situationally, at least, and Matt, to your fantasy point, even if Chase Claypool has a minimal effect on the offense, he would have to be a big red zone guy, would he not? I mean, yeah, I would that think height so. and the ability to go get the ball. So uh, I guess I, I don't play fantasy, so I don't know if it's touchdown based. I would take a long look. Yeah, and some you know, are, but I think in in that respect, you're right. He can be. You know, if, if we don't see a couple of, of lobs into the end zone in the first couple of weeks of the season to chase Claypool, I'll be shocked. 
Oh, I bet. I mean, you got to at least try it mm-hmm. to see if it works against somebody's defense other than your own. And certainly the Giants' defense was, was awful last year against the pass, and it's not going to be any better the this year. The corners aren't so great. Yeah, right. the corners are, are an issue. So I'm starting to warm up to the idea of, of four receiver sets, too. I mean, you can still have Connor in there with five offensive linemen and those four dudes with Deontay and Juju in the slot and, and those two downfield I mean, guys. you got two great – Blocking receivers and, and right, and, and right. James Doesn't Washington run the ball. James Washington is no slouch blocking either. I mean, he they they can put some body on body out there. I mean, you're gonna get six or seven defensive backs on the field when you trot that out, and you know uh, that doesn't mean Connor can't pound the rock. But uh, you get those that might be their best five. Might very well or a little be. dump down and little, little dump down in a flat and let Connor get uh, yeah get rolling in in space. Yeah, they got some options. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward, Matt, to you getting. Uh, Eyeballs on Claypool oh, man, in uniform, r- r- running around on the field. I, you can then rave I mean, like the, like we are. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and you're probably less likely because this is just what you've done for so long. You've seen it before, but uh, I'm I'm very interested to see your reaction in that in that situation because I think the guy looks like a beast. Yeah, just I can't wait. Not, I'm, I'm not talking about how he's playing, just wearing the stuff and standing the way he moves. And, yeah, with the other receivers, it's. Wow, look at that guy. You know? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah sure. for sure. Uh, we're going to get to a break. He is uh, Mike Pursuta. That's Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Actually, a little disappointed with Young West today in his music selection. I, I thought, I really thought, because I saw this on Twitter earlier today, and I'm, I'm, I'm be shocked if Mike didn't know what this is the 45th anniversary of. Wow, Mike, of course you know, I know. Okay, I just thought we would get a, a tramps a, like us. I thought we would get Baby, an entire we Born to Run, run. day because oh, today is the 45th anniversary of Born to Run being released, and well. I guess I'm not disappointed. That, I mean, I, I actually like Born to Run, and the, the album's great. Um, I thought we would get that today. Overrated. Matt says it's overrated? No, it's okay. Right. Speaking of overrated, we did this last week, and I wanted to do this again, but in a different way. So last week we talked about whether we felt uh, different positions were better or worse in terms of the depth than they were a year ago. Today, guys, I want to... Look at the different positions on the team, and let's rank them in order of strength. Ooh. Okay. You want to do O and D? Well, no, we're going to go straight whatever the position is. What do we think is the most – Well, do we want to do this from the top or the bottom? Hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. You guys have a feeling? Let's go from the top. The top's I'm always, just thinking always here. I've got to come up with an answer here. Okay. Well, I do, that's why I didn't tell you guys about this. I wanted to spring okay. it on you to get your immediate reaction. What is the strongest position group on the Steelers roster? We're not including specialists? We can include that. I guess we could include them. Yeah. But what's, what's, your, uh, what's your vote there? 
Hmm. Outside linebacker. I'm ciphering here. Which are really edge. They're not really linebackers. They're back to line. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would I would say interior. Def- I would say defensive line. I, that so. was my. That was torn between the two. Because I think they've got defensive front is they've pretty got darn strong. they've got guys who are not just the starters, but I mean if you if you're looking at st- just the starter, the two starters, mm-hmm. you know Hayward and Tuit. If you throw Alu Alu in that mix, he's got a hundred career starts. Yeah, right, right. Wormley's right. got a bunch of starts under his belt. I mean they've got. They've got depth there. They they don't just have the star players, but they also have depth. They do. Now, how did, uh, these Heisman reports are encouraging, though. The, the the best position groups on uh, on the roster at each uh, either side overall, of the ball. Right. Overall, okay. I went I'm OLB picking, uh, and he went D line. I'm picking quarterback. Ooh, okay. Because you love Duck. Because I love Duck, but I love Ben more. <laughs> I thought I think, about I that. Ben, that's that's gonna know, be the hardest one for me to rank. Ben's like Pat Mahomes on this team. You know, I don't care what else you got. As mm-hmm. long as you got that, you're good. No, there's a strong argument for that. I thought about it as well. And the depth of it really doesn't change my tune when it comes to quarterback. Yeah, ideally you're not playing the backup at all. The other positions, mm-hmm. the backups do see some playing time. Every game. Yeah, yeah right. That would be third for me. My number two position would be cornerbacks. Deep. It's deep. I think it's pretty good. I think the overall. I don't think there's a large drop off, you know, at right. any. I mean, they got four starters and a prospect, right? Basically, you know. Yeah, it's pretty good. I hear you. Okay, I'm gonna go OLB, which is really edge, D line, which is really D tackles, quarterback is my top three, and I'm thinking about number four. I had. I didn't break it down in corner and safety, Dale. I just you used just went secondary. Okay, that works um, too. We can do it that way. That's even deeper. my DBs are <laughs> my DBs are third. Okay, I put outside linebacker second because I think Dupree's going to have another monstrous year, and I think Watt might be the player of the year. Yeah, and I think Highsmith carries a little weight. I mean, at least there's some good reports. It's a little not, bit, a little know. bit, but it's a it's a. Top heavy evaluation, yeah, very much so. Okay, so we a dangerous I, pair. I think we all have the top three because I'm going to go with outside linebacker as my third. You, third. Matt went with quarterback. Mike went with DB. Uh, so actually, I'm 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 different than you guys. I have defensive line, DB, outside linebacker before I would get the quarterback. Okay. What do we I have? DL fourth. You have okay. defensive line. Defensive line is fourth for me. Okay. I guess since D-back is all one, I'll go fourth there, too. Kind of steal off your guys' paper a little bit. Safety depth is a concern, but I'm not going to put a lot of weight on that. I think the, I think the starters are really good at, at that position. At defensive backs in yeah. general? Yes. I don't know if the corners are stars. You know, like when you're comparing it to Bud and Watt right, and yeah. Tuit and Kane. No, I would agree with that. I think there's one star but in the But the depth is way better. Yes. At the corner, yes, but not yes, safety. If we're going to call, lump that all together, I would have corner higher than safety. Yes. But Mink is a stud. Although Mink is a stud. Right. Much in the and Watt mold. Edmund's not bad. Yeah. Riley's encouraging. Um, at four, I I would go – I'm not ready to go quarterback just yet. Um, I would probably say in terms of – I think overall from just what I've seen and what we've talked about a lot, I'm going to go wide receiver. See, not the like. I'm sitting here pondering what is stronger, wide out or O line. 
I'm really torn on that. And they're in really different places in their development. I mean, there's no Pouncey and DeCastro amongst the wide receivers. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? You got you guys are taking a leap of faith, which is a Springsteen song, but it's off the Lucky Town album, not Born to Run. <laughs> I just think that they got they've got my wide receivers are well down. There. I think they're well got, down. I think they've got a lot of depth there, and I I mean. For I you like to say that with, with uh, the accolades you're heaping on Mr. Claypool. Yeah, but he still hasn't done anything yet. True. I'm looking at right now, like, what, what has been mm-hmm. done? What's on paper? What do I know for a fact? And uh, that's I know why for I a have fact he's def- still going to be 6'4", 238 pounds when they when well, they line up for the first game. And, and uh, I don't know how that's getting covered. And I think Deontay Johnson's a budding star. And Juju's better than he looked last year. Yeah. And I still think I think so James. I think so James, everybody thinks. I think James Washington. Washington two is years good. ago was. What if two years ago was the outlier with Juju? I, I think there's a chance that's true. What if he's distracted by not having a contract that he doesn't like Claypool getting all that attention and Deontay Johnson keeps uh, freight training his way well, into prominence? He still wants to make money next year, right? But what if Big Al gets old? You know, like the, the O line's not set rock solid too. Like that's that's my conversation is O line versus receiver, and I'm leaning towards O line. It's deeper, and it's got a youth and veteran blend that I like. Mike, I'm thinking. Uh, okay. Where are we at? No, four or five? We're, we're yeah. four here. We're still. I think. Uh, no, I think we're, I no, we're on the track. we're on the five here. We're on the five. I have well, I, mean, we, I have quarterback we, at five. I'll reset mine. Quarterback, outside linebacker two, DB three, defensive line four, mm-hmm. O line five. Okay. Okay. Matt Who would has be your outside six, linebacker, then? defensive line, quarterback, DB. And I, then I went O line. I have uh, defensive line, defensive back, outside linebacker, wide receiver, quarterback. Matt's going offensive line. Followed by wide receiver closely. Don't get ahead of me. I'm trying to type this. Well, stuff I down just so said it two seconds ago. <laughs> I was torn between the two. Mike, what do you got after defensive line? Offensive line. Okay. Fifth. Now, who's your six? For me, Wide I'm receiver. going the offensive line. Okay. So we're all in agreement that O-line and receiver are close. Matt's going, you went wide receiver? Six? Behind O-line. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Mike So has... we have specialists, inside linebackers, running backs, and tight ends remaining. Yes. Oh, I forgot about the inside linebackers. I think they're next. For that me. would also be would that be not be very much like the wide receiver position for you if you're talking about leaps of faith. Yes, it would. Um, yeah. You know what? Cram the inside linebackers in between the offensive line and the wide receivers. Okay. Wow. So if Mike is taking wide receivers seventh. I'm going. No sixth. Seventh. You're right. Seventh. Um, seventh. So let's see. I'm going to go for for my seventh best position. I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to go in. I have to go inside linebacker there. I mean that's. I did too. Yeah. I mean I think Bush is upside. I think Williams is a no. Williams, you know what he is. I think Gilbert yeah. will be okay. Um, I'm the head of the Gilbert fan club. Too. Yeah. I think he'll be fine as your back. You know. I think yeah, he's going to be a starter. I think there's a lot long. there. Yeah, oh, I think he's a future he's, starter. He's going to go right past Vince. And, and, and Matt, you've got you going inside linebacker there as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Mike has the wide receivers there, which takes us to eight. Tight um, end. You're going tight end? Okay. That 
probably where I'm leaning at at this point as well. I'm going specialist. Are we counting them too? Yeah. I mean, just because... I mean, obviously everyone would put him last, but Boz is a really good kicker, so that doesn't mean they have to be last. last. I don't know that you put them last, but, you know. I mean, it's not cool to put them ahead of running backs and tight ends. But I would put them ahead of yeah, the if we have to, if we have to mention them, I'll mention them uh, b- between wide receiver and tight end. Yeah, I mean, give them some credit. Okay, so Mike's going with them with specialists. You guys are both going specialists there. I'm going to go uh, at nine. I'm going to go with the specialists, okay. which, which means I'll have running back last. I also have running back last. I'm going to have tight end running I back. I also have. I have tight end running back to uh, close it out, but I do think the running back position is uh, ripe with potential. But it just—they don't have anybody that has played five seasons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody that's rushed for a thousand yards in the NFL. I mean, there's there's not a lot of been there, done that uh, validation at that position. In fact, there's literally no been there. Well, I mean, no. you can talk about Connor. He's but who do you trust? Yeah, trust. Yeah, Connor has flirted with it, but you mm-hmm. worry about his durability. You can't trust so. it. I mean, you just can't trust it. Yeah, That's right. the, all right, so to, to recap, I've got the defensive line as my number one unit. Uh, Matt, you have outside linebacker. Mike, you had quarterback. Uh, yes. Me, uh, two, I had defensive backs. Matt had defensive line. Mike, you had outside linebacker. At three, I had outside linebacker. Matt had quarterback. Mike had defensive backs. At four, I had wide receivers. I had thought much more highly of them than, than you guys do. I was uh, pretty high on them. Defensive backs um, no, for Mike or for Matt and defensive line for Mike. Me quarterback Correct. at five, Matt offensive line. Mike offensive line. I had offensive line at six. Matt had wide receivers at six. Mike had inside linebackers, their highest vote. I had inside linebackers at seven, as did Matt. Mike had the receivers at seven. Uh, seven. At, at uh, eight, I had tight end. Matt had the specialists. Uh, Mike had the specialists. Um, At nine, I had the specialists. You guys both had tight ends, and we both had running backs at 10 across the board. My take on that, when I think of the other 31 teams, is I bet the Steelers are one of the hardest teams to do that with. You know, like, the Chiefs should be easy. You know I mean? Like, even really good teams and really bad teams would be easy. You know, you look at Jacksonville and be like, well, they got edge guys, but they got nothing else. You know? Right. Like, the difference between the best group and the worst group might have the smallest gap of just about any team in the league. And I was also thinking the Steeler running back group would not be last on 28 teams. Like, it's not like necessarily a bad group. I mean, every team in the league has a group that I would just about put below the Steeler running backs. Do you know I what see I mean? what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, like they've got they're just awful at this position. Yeah, like like we're we're ranking their running backs tenth, and James Conner's been to a Pro Bowl. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. like Washington's tight ends. You know, like, I mean, like there's just tons of them that I would where that would be higher on most teams' lists. In fact, I think if you go down this list, the Steelers have a Pro Bowl at least one Pro Bowl player at every position except for inside linebacker. It might be on the horizon. But, the, but what does the Pro Bowl really? True. Connotate, yeah, but it, it connotates that you at least had the respect of somebody. I mean, you're at least. A, but I mean, you could you could be the seventh best guy at your position. Well, sure. In a given yeah. year, I mean, I, I like I like to use all pro. It's, it's better my, than uh, having no well, pro bowlers at any of those positions. Well, good point. Good <laughs> point. <laughs> I mean, I, we see that around the league as well. Uh, yeah, I think you know, especially if you look at that, you look at the top five or six 
groups on that list, mm-hmm. and we all had them, you know, ranked a little bit differently, but we're all pretty close on the top five or six groups. There's a lot of talent there. A lot of talent there. And the whole roster is very complete to me. Again, I mean, the difference between that outside linebacker group and that running back group to me is obvious, but it's not a cavern. I mean, it's not crazy. Yeah, they've got guys. Yeah, I mean, what if McFarland turns into a dude? He might. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that would be an interesting little uh, it was. aside there on a rainy day. Uh, we're going to take another yeah, it break. Was. Uh, our uh, Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the training camp report on Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally, joined by Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson. We'll be back right after this. And we're back with the training camp report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta. The Steelers getting some good news today. Uh, not that this was uh, all that necessarily surprising, but uh, Bill Nunn getting yeah, the, awesome. uh, the nod as the uh, senior committee, or not the senior committee, uh, the, the uh, what do they call this? Veterans contributor. committee. Contributor. Oh. The contributor well, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the uh, Hall of Fame. Contributor committee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, he, the significance there is he gets his own vote. Right. So he doesn't have, he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to fit in with the class. Well, should we put him in? What about this guy? Uh, if he gets eighty percent of the vote, he is in. And I talked to one member of uh, the uh, selection committee, and uh, people who uh, have any idea of my work over the years probably know who I'm talking about. But uh, he told me uh, there is no way he doesn't get eighty percent of the vote. Correct. So I, think, yeah. I, wow. I think it's a done deal. I think Bill Nunn's in. I think it is long overdue, but uh, what what soothes me a little bit, uh, based on how long Bill Nunn had to wait and he's no longer around uh, and with us to enjoy this, is that he is the first scout ever to be a finalist for induction in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's going to be the first scout who ever gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I know Bill Nunn would appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he just he opened so many doors uh, that had previously been closed uh, with those with the, with the historically black colleges, uh, as Matt and I have mentioned earlier today, if if not for Bill Nunn, we may not have gotten Walter Payton. We may not have gotten Jerry Rice uh, and, and all the great players that, that came out of the historically black colleges mm-hmm. over the years. I mean, it, they just were being underscouted and underutilized at, at that time. Um, he opened opened all the eyes. He opened the eyes of the entire NFL to that untapped potential there. Oh, he was he was sending guys or trying to get guys to the league long before he started working for the Steelers. Right. Yeah, and and D- Dan Rooney's the guy that really embraced it, but uh, Bill Nunn was hesitant to join the Steelers because he didn't trust that they would follow up on on what he had to tell them. Um, and uh, it it just uh, it, as you said, Dale, it opened so many doors and it changed the game, and that's something that Bill Nunn and his family, uh, due to the association with the Pittsburgh Courier which at the time was one of the voices, maybe the voice for Black America, uh, a newspaper that was printed in Pittsburgh but distributed nationally. Uh, They were in the civil rights fight, uh, you know, for decades. And uh, Bill Nunn, uh, his contributions to 
society go beyond what he did for the NFL, and he helped change the NFL. And, and uh, Matt, uh, I was talking to somebody today uh, that referred to scouts as the backbone of the league. So wow. why shouldn't there be? Why shouldn't there be at least one of those guys, right? I mean, it's obviously a hard thing to put a you know, to quantify, you know, like why is this guy such a great scout, you know, if he never advanced to a GM or whatever. But in this case, it's just so blatantly obvious. I mean, of all the, the doors he opened and the ideas he had. And the one question I had, too, do you guys know, you know, you get, we both mentioned his, his work at the newspaper, the Pittsburgh Courier. Was he just their sports guy or did he do much more than that there? I was their sports um I think he was a sports editor for a while, okay. but his claim to fame was he would pick uh, the game of the week for the historically black colleges and universities, as we refer to them now. Mm-hmm. And then he put together a black All-America team every year. And he would sell that to the NFL because the NFL wasn't even scouting these guys. They never went to schools the or anything, right? Yeah, and and he was pushing, pushing, pushing. And, uh, of course, the paper was a voice for uh, – you know, non-sports uh, issues and the causes uh, as, as it related to civil rights. But uh, Bill Nunn was able to get the NFL to notice these guys and the Steelers in particular. And uh, I don't know if you guys heard Mike Tomlin's uh, post-practice wrap-up today. but I did, yeah. Uh, he had such a unique approach to it, Nunn did. Uh, here's what Tomlin had to say about it uh, when he was asked what he remembered uh, most about Bill Nunn. He said, Tomlin did strictly vocationally from a talent talent evaluation standpoint. I was always really impressed how he never let football get in the way. His evaluation style was purely based on pedigree, knee and ankle flexibility, body control, fine motor skills, top end speed, measurables, things of that nature. He never got distracted by the football and he kept evaluations pure from a pedigree standpoint. I was always impressed and marked by that. And uh, hmm. as legend has it, when Bill Nunn came to work for the Steelers, Chuck Knoll became the coach, and he said, you go find me athletes. We'll teach them how to play football. Hmm. And the, the, like rest is team, the rest is team of the 70s history. Uh, some of the you know, there's, Bill Nunn lore exists all across the NFL, but uh, my favorite story about him, and I, I think this is true. Yeah, it might be a little embellished over the years. <laughs> But when he was going to uh, time John Stallworth and Matt uh, back then as the scouts kind of traveled in little small groups from school to school uh, and John Stallworth ran a really bad uh, 40 time and uh, I don't know, the track was wet or something. The conditions weren't ideal and the scouts were all going to the next stop down the road and Bill Nunn faked that he had a cold. He said, ah, I'm sick. I'm going to stay here. I'll, I'll catch up <laughs> with you guys. And he went back the next day and timed Stallworth again. Didn't he also hide the, the film of Stallworth? I believe that was, I believe that took place as well. <laughs> uh, one of the, I used to love listening to Bill Nunn tell stories. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he would he would talk football if you were willing to listen. And uh, two things about that: he would tell you a very detailed story, and he would interrupt periodically and ask you something about it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's just uh, you know for storytelling's sake, uh, there's a guy scouting a game and uh, an outside linebacker's having great issue because the running back keeps drifting out into the flat uncovered. The guy keeps missing his assignment. So the running back keeps, keeps catching passes. 
So the linebacker comes out and the coach goes over and starts yelling at the linebackers. At this point, none would interrupt the story and look at you and say, and what was the running back doing? And you'd have to say, well, he was bleeding out into the flat catching passes. If you weren't keeping up, he would just drop you right there like a bad habit. Because he didn't have any time for people who were wasting his – he would give you a little pop quiz right in the middle of his story because he wanted to make sure you were hanging on his every word because he liked telling stories. And uh, he also uh, – the, the stalwart stuff is legendary. He told me when he would go to these games on college campuses, he would walk around and look for the post-it note or the flyer that uh, was telling everybody about the school dance that night because he said that's – if you went to the dance – you'd look and see if the big guys knew how to move. <laughs> you know, that's right. If, if the big guys were fluid, they could move their feet a little bit on a dance floor. They were athletic. They were just, they were just uh big lummox. Then, you know, no, that's thanks. not going to translate, but he was, uh, he was one of a kind, man. Um, I was so happy to hear this news today because he is, he's fast tracked. He's going to get in. Right. It, it's that's um, awesome. Yeah. I, I was doing a show, uh, the, the stream on Steelers.com with, missy matthews and we actually got that word in mid-show and uh that knocked me off my chair a little bit because it's something that uh a lot of people who knew bill have been longing for this to happen somehow some way and uh the steelers really kind of kicked it in gear here they they said enough's enough and they reached out to some people that are a part of the process and you know what has to happen what do we what do we got to do here this you guys got to look at this and uh lo and behold it's happened and uh couldn't happen to a more deserving guy. I'm, I'm over the moon that, that Bill Nunn is finally going to get uh, what he should have had coming a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Mike, and it, it's going to be quite the uh, the event next year. The bonanza. At the, uh, yeah. at the Hall of Fame, because um, I also expect Alan Fanica to be elected this year as well. Uh, the Steelers will have five people going into the Hall of Fame in one one year in one wow. fell swoop, which has never happened before. Get your reservations now, Steelers yeah. Nation. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a heck of an event. Of course, they're also playing in that Hall of Fame game next year. Uh, they got canceled this year. That uh, will be a weekend extravaganza. That if you're a Steelers fan, I don't think you're going to want to miss that one. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, but, that's uh, going to be. Uh, uh, so so apropos also that Shell goes in with right. none because yeah. that's the kind of even though Donnie Shell wasn't a draft choice, but you still scouted the guys that you didn't thought enough to bring him in and keep him and, as a yeah in, in a, and uh, yeah that's just amazing they, they kind of should go in hand in hand because that was uh, uh, that's that's how Bill Nunn changed the game and um, I wonder how many African American scouts that didn't get hired before Bill Nunn got hired after or the recruits that would have went to those historically black colleges because they got such exposure in the 70s and the Steelers raising Lombardi trophies then went to Bama and USC and, you know, huge schools and, and just all, all those doors that could open. As I told, I told Matt earlier, Mike, um, you know, John Mitchell didn't get into uh, Alabama at the time until, what, 1970? Yeah, yeah it think, was, yeah. you know, I mean, it was a I different world. started with, Bill started with the Steelers in 1968, I believe. And yes, that's correct. It was just correct. slowly starting to change then in terms of, uh, you know, black athletes having uh, access to 
uh, all the schools and uh, all the big, the bigger schools uh, in the South as well as in the North. So those, and, I mean, those uh, historically black colleges were getting a lot of oh, they good were players. stud athletes, yeah, right? They were getting, yeah. So the guys who way, were now going into the SEC, that was were my point, those places right. then. Yeah, so in a way, Bill Nunn <laughs> yeah. hurt those schools because they went start going to Bama instead of Grambling, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh, certainly a well deserved uh, situation. Can't wait for that to happen. Uh, next year, uh, around, right around this time, it'll be about a year from now, we'll get to uh, take part in that whole, That's gonna be get fun. to witness that whole celebration. But, uh, Mike, we got to let you go. Uh, we appreciate you dropping by the training camp report here, as you do every day. Um, I'm uh, Dale Lally here with Mike uh, Matt Williamson, Mike and Matt. Uh, but uh, we're going to let Matt, Mike go. Jeez, my, I'm all tongue-tied. Spit it out, it's, Lally. It's been, it's been yeah. Uh, but we'll be back. That will be Matt and I will be back uh, right yeah, after this with, tomorrow. The, with the second uh, hour of the training camp report. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Mike. Long time since we rock and rolled on the football field. See yes. anybody rock and rolling on the football field? That's going to be coming around soon I enough. I've seen one lately. Yeah, um, going to take a look at around the league uh, as we do here at the start top of uh, every hour to start the second hour of the training camp report. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals receiver AJ Green is expected to return to practice tomorrow, according to Coach Zach Taylor. Um, he has been out for a week with a hamstring injury. Um, the team uh, also signed free agent center Frederick Maugua. Not familiar. Yeah. The defensive tackle Khalil McKenzie. In corresponding moves, they waived receiver Damian Willis and guard Clay Cordasco. Okay. A lot of bottom roster fodder. But you see a lot of that this Getting time. green back on yeah. the practice field needs to happen. That's the big quickly, thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are signing free agent tight end Tyrone Swoops after he visited them, visited them in the last few days. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, he spent the last three years with the Seahawks. The Seahawks or the Eagles have also reengaged on contract talks with Zach Ertz. Yeah, the Ertz one's interesting because it sounds like that could be imminent, and I would he can't get Kelsey Kittle money. I wouldn't think you wouldn't but think, but you know they've also got better Goddard than, sitting there waiting to. Right, right. You know. uh, it's an interesting one. I, you know, how, would you let him walk a year from now or so and just go to Goddard and draft but, another one? Yeah. I mean, tight ends don't fade away. I mean, they don't fall off quickly. So I, I think you're happy with them. You keep them rolling. Wentz loves them. I bet he makes more than Hooper. Yes. You know? Yeah, I think you almost have to. The, the question here, though, is the Eagles are one of those teams that are – money. They have the, the least amount of money going into <laughs> sure next year. They were $100 million – over the cap if it comes in at 175 million. If they get this done soon, I keep harping on this. That screams to me the cap's not going down. Right. You know what I mean? They're yeah. as strapped as anyone. Yeah, they they're up against it. Uh speaking of new deals, uh Arizona gave uh Bo- safety Buda Baker a 4-year $59 million contract extension. 33.1 million of that guaranteed. Highest um, paid safety in the league. Highest paid safety in the league is now Buda Baker at least for a while. No, at least for a little while, yeah. Maybe I mean, he's a, a really a good week player. or two. <laughs> a good ascending player. I think it sends a message to the team. You know, that we, we're going to build some culture guys. You know, we've talked about that with Minka and Watt stepping up, and they have some money to spend. Versatile, do-it-all, 
positionless football defender. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers receiver Mike Williams is expected to miss two to four weeks with his shoulder injury. This according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissaro. Um, that could take him into the start of the regular season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting here on the, uh, the NFL Network's over our, our shoulder here, and it said there was a quote that he'll be out for a while. Maybe that is only two or four weeks. I mean, I'm sure Tom Pelissaro is the one giving them the, the information too. Um uh, there it is. It, 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 I guess they corrected that across the bottom. But anyway, I'm babbling. Uh, he's a good player, and there's a lot of change in that offense. New quarterback, um, new style of play, not much receiver depth. Like I'm starting to get worried about the Charger offense. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the defense has got star power all over the place, mm-hmm. but if the offense doesn't hold up, if it doesn't gel bargain, quickly. Yeah. I mean, a couple new linemen. You know, like eh, you know, it worries me a little bit. Uh, Chase Young told reporters today, uh, he, of course, the uh, defensive end, who was the second pick in the draft from Washington, that his hip is close to 100% after his second consecutive day of practice. Yeah. Again, it was just don't breathe on Chase. Yeah. Stay stay away from him. Yeah. He'll be okay. Uh, The Bears have signed kicker Cairo Santos and wide receiver Alex Wesley, the team announced. Okay. Been a lot of kicker signings the last few Been a lot of kicker signings. I was just going to say, and they had kicker issues Two years ago when they actually massive. made the playoffs, and then they had, like, a massive tryout at training camp like last five year. Five guys, I think, last year. Yeah. Right. And now they're, they're turning to Cairo Santos. Um, Cairo Santos has not been a – I don't know if he's been a legit kicker in a couple of years. Right. Like, I he's been one of those bounce-around guys. Uh, Bears worry me in general. I mean, offensive line, quarterback situation. I don't know if there's a worse O-line quarterback situation in the league. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Miller, on, a, on another note, uh, there's they're a little wide receiver who's... Uh, mm, I like Miller. He's a nice little player. Returned to full team drills after having off-season shoulder surgery. Okay. So that's a, that's a good sign. kind of pegging him. him as somewhat of a breakout guy. I mean, late-round fantasy guy. Yeah. I'm not talking about he's going to catch to break out there with, uh, with that quarterback situation. It is. Uh, the Ravens have signed punter Johnny Townsend and wideout DeAndrew White. I, they can't have a punter opening, do they? That, that I wouldn't think. And maybe they're just, they want to shut. Cook's getting up in age. Maybe they just maybe don't want him kicking so much. Small hammy issue or something. Yeah. And just need a camp punter. Uh, the Jets have announced they've signed running back Pete Guerrero and wave safety Anthony Siafi. Linebacker Terrell Basham suffered an ankle injury in practice today. Basham will undergo a precautionary MRI. Uh, the initial belief is it's just a sprain. Uh, wide out Lawrence Cager is being checked for a knee injury after he came down awkwardly late in practice. Uh, wide receiver Brashad Perryman is expected to return to practice Saturday. Basham's one to kind of pay attention to. He's a reasonably high pick, and their edge guys aren't very good. Yeah, I mean, they, they've had a bunch of injuries. Oh, just been, they might get the first pick in the draft. Yeah, they could be. Yeah, things have not gone well for the Jets. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have signed linebackers Daniel Batuli and Derek Moncrief and wave linebacker Brian London and quarterback Josh Love. Uh, uh, Sean McVay said after practice the team has no running back or uh, no update on running back Daryl Henderson who's dealing with a mild hamstring injury and is considering safety Taylor Rapp day-to-day. Okay. Not a lot of late-breaking news there for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some bottom-of-the-roster movement. Uh, well, Henderson's a guy that, you know. They so, need him in there. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's. Part of that in wraps, you know, starting safety. For oh, them. yeah. So, Both those guys were high picks a yeah. year ago. I, I'm an Acres guy, though. Yeah. I, well, I think this helps Acres cause. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, the 49ers have announced they've signed tight end Eric Swoop. Uh, they waived running back Salvon Ahmed. 
49ers yeah. actually waving a running back. That's you know, yeah, right. They're like right. seven. That's 17 good for your McKinnon those. love. I mean, there's a chance that he's in the mix. Legit, it yeah. Sure seems like it. Uh, they're having a wide receiver workout today with familiar names on on tap. Among them, former Steelers wide receiver Johnny Holton, former Bears first round draft pick Kevin White, former Broncos mm. wide receiver River Craycraft, and former Falcons wide receiver Justin Hardy. They've got. They're searching. Essentially, every receiver on the roster who's anybody of note is hurt. Doesn't it for, really feel like they're just throwing stuff at a fan and hope something That's exactly sticks. what it looks right, like. Right. If, they're, if they're looking to sign John, uh, Johnny Holton. Yeah, and Kevin White oh, and Evan Hardy and some of these guys, right? Yeah. Um, Minnesota Vikings coach uh, Mike Zimmer said report or told reporters linebacker Cam Smith had a successful surgery on his heart after testing positive for COVID-19. Smith found out he was born with a uh, aortic valve issue that needed to be fixed. So something good came out of the COVID-19 th- uh, situation for Cam Smith, uh, and that's taken care of. Well, that's good. Uh, again, it's a, uh, not a, a prominent player, but glad that all worked out, of course. Yeah. Uh, the Browns have put a claim in and, and claimed uh, Curtis Weaver, who was a fifth-round draft pick of the Dolphins. He was waived injured. Uh, they wanted to, The Dolphins released him or waived him, hoping to put him on IR. Instead, the Browns have claimed him and given Snag him a him. shot. Yeah, they probably had a decent grade on him, and there's not much harm in doing something like that. You yeah. get a fifth-round pick, just cut your worst guy on your roster and see what it looks like. Yeah, the uh, the Browns also placed uh, Grant Delpit on injured reserve. He has a torn Achilles, and uh, Greedy Williams, uh, who has a shoulder issue, said uh, Kevin Stefanski said he is still being uh, evaluated with that shoulder issue. And one final thing here, Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle Mike Pennell has been suspended for the first two games of the season. Tom Pelissaro said uh, the suspension is for violating the NFL policy on substance abuse. Uh, Pennell played eight games for the Super Bowl champions last year with no starts, but it is a depth piece for them. Yeah, I say, I mean, he gets snapped. Yeah. And there hasn't been a lot of good buzz about Kansas City either. There's been a lot of a couple strikes against them this offseason have gone not gone well for their roster. Yeah, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right? <laughs> sure yeah. is. So I'm not weeping for him too much. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Uh, you're listening to the training camp report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back right after this. And we're back on the training camp report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And, Matt, uh, you know, we get to hear every couple of weeks here, every week or so from uh, the, the coordinators. And I, f- I feel like, you know, now that we're a week into this training camp, I had a lot of different stuff that you wanted to talk to Keith Butler about. Oh, yeah. One of the things that, that I asked him about was something we talked about a lot on yesterday's show, um, how difficult uh, – A, have you started preparing for the – for the, the Giants, Giants yet. right? Yeah. And B, how difficult is it going to be to prepare for a team that new coaching staff, new coaching staff, new coordinator, yeah. second year uh, quarterback? Yeah, I, I mean it's a good question because Jason Garrett hasn't called plays in a long time since 2012. That's how long it's been. Yeah. I mean his Cowboy offenses were considered a little on the vanilla side, you know, more execution based because they had a lot of a lot of really good players. Yeah. Maybe that makes it a little easier, but that doesn't mean Joe Judge is saying go do that. Yeah, you know, uh, or, or you may see with Joe Judge, maybe they try to run a Patriots style offense. Maybe, maybe. You know, maybe, maybe he tells Garrett, "Hey, this is what I want to do, and you do it." Mm-hmm. The point is, 
the Steelers aren't going to know when they line up, you know, when they when they line up at MetLife Stadium, what they're going to see from the from the Giants. I, I wonder if you scout the players and not the scheme. You know, Jones holds the ball too long. Let's be aware of that. This left tackle drops his hands too much. You know, that twenty six guy is pretty good. Yeah, he, can, he doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> tackle him yeah, if he gets the football. Let's hope. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I asked uh, I asked Keith Butler that uh, today, but. Our Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I mentioned we talked to the Steelers defensive coordinator earlier today. Here's what he had to say. Reminder, some of you have already just used the raise the hand function, and I'll call on you, and uh, we'll get started. Ed Bouchette, Ed, go ahead. Hey, Keith. What's up, Ed? You had... One of the best defenses in the NFL last season. How do you assess your depth on that defense? Especially uh, at linebacker and safety. Uh, obviously, uh, we have good players at that position. Uh, do we want more good players? We, we'll take all the good players we can get. Uh, do we need more good players at that position? Yeah, I think we do. I think uh, our, our guys, our young guys, have got to really come along. Uh, and what they're doing in, in camp, uh, there's a couple of guys showing up. Uh, we think they can help us. And uh, uh, we'll see as we go along. Obviously, we don't have a, a preseason to make decisions on guys like that. we got to put them in live situations, which we have. Uh, and sometimes uh, – uh, not fully live on the quarterback. Obviously, you can't do that and, and uh, survive and get your quarterback skill and all that stuff. So uh, we've uh, we've tried to put them in live situations in terms of tackling, in terms of being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And, and uh, uh, we think we're in decent shape right now. Uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell if you're a good defense or you know. Uh, maybe you're not playing against uh, some guys that are, that are good as you're going to see when you get in the NFL uh, and, and start a season. So uh, we're trying to uh, see if uh, we're as good as we think we are. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be on some uh, good defenses here uh, that uh, were good for us in the past. And, We'll wait and see as the year uh, years kind of uh, plays out, uh, but we we think we've got a pretty good defense. All right, bear with me one second. Keep your okay. I'm just gonna dust the camera. Okay. All righty. Let's move on to Dale Lowley. Dale, go ahead. Hey Keith, a uh, couple uh, a two part question here. Uh, at what point do you start looking at uh, preparing for the Giants? You're, you're just uh, under three weeks out now uh, right. from playing them. And the second part is, how do you prepare for the Giants? They've got a new head coach who's never been an offensive or defensive coordinator before. Uh, the offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, hasn't uh-huh. actually coordinated an offense in several years. Uh, it's kind of a, a lot of unknown there, is it not? Uh, a little bit, but uh, you, you kind of get an idea of what uh, they want to do because uh, they got similar people uh, as they did in, in Dallas. Maybe not the quarterback uh, that you know that uh, Jason had in, in Dallas, but, but uh, 
uh, he's got a running back that that's a hoss, and uh, you know they do they pretty much do what a lot of people do in the league nowadays. If they run the football and they go play action on first down, and they go, you know, in, in their play action, they like to run deeper routes, uh, get over the top of the linebackers if you're trying to play zone and get between the linebackers and the secondary if you're trying to play zone and stuff like that. But but uh, they're still going to do that. I, I think that's probably a uh, a pretty good indication of what they want uh, uh, do or have done, uh, what he's done in the past at Dallas. I'm sure he's going to do what he knows. He brought the offensive line coach with him. So, you know, uh, they're pretty much going to have the same running game that they, they probably had uh, in Dallas. And, you know, uh, I wouldn't change it much because, you know, they were pretty successful running the, running the ball in Dallas also. So they'll do both. They'll, do, they'll, uh, they'll have an emphasis on running because of the, of the guy they got running the football and uh, probably offer play action also and, and try to – like most offenses do, they'll try to stay out of the third and long situations and get in third and medium and third and short. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you do that, but uh, – I think that's what they'll they'll try to do there too. All right, let's go to Missy Matthews. Missy, go ahead. Hey, butts. Hey, Missy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Hope you're well as well. Um, just wanted to see what you're seeing from TJ and Bud as a tandem at outside linebacker, and also what you're seeing from each of those guys individually through this portion of camp so far. Oh, I think uh, uh, I'm glad we got them. Uh, they're going to be a couple of guys that's going to be hard to deal with. Bud is probably a little bit bigger than TJ, but TJ is still uh, advancing uh, in his pass rush, and, and he's a problem for a lot of people because uh, he does a great job of using his hands when he rushes the passer, does a good job in, in, the, uh, in recognizing the difference in pass and run and play action and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, so, is, so is Bud. Bud's a big, strong guy. And uh, uh, he's going to be hard to handle uh, both those guys. I'm glad we got both of them. They're going to be a big part of our defense. And I think they're going to be a, you know, a major force to deal with uh, when offenses try to line up and play against us. And uh, as long as uh, they're doing that, and uh, I think we'll be okay. We probably need to try to get a little bit of depth out of, uh, you know, our guys behind him and so uh, behind them. Uh, so uh, we can keep them fresh in the game and, and maybe uh, when we have to close out a game, those guys can be uh, fresh in, in that situation too. All right, let's move on to Brooke Fryer. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Buds, that's actually perfect. I was going to ask you about the depth uh, behind TJ and Bud specifically, uh-huh. Alex Highsmith. Uh, uh-huh. today Mike said that he's showing that he belongs, but what are you specifically – seeing out of him and do you think it's realistic to expect him to get some defensive snaps this year yeah i think it is because if uh, we got to rest those guys at some point in time uh ola's doing a good job for us also um uh, yeah you know but uh, alex has really shown that he belongs in the nfl he belongs where we drafted him at uh do we really know that until we get in live action probably not uh, but what he what we've seen him do here in practice and stuff like that is encouraging uh, in terms of uh, us putting him in and having having uh, enough confidence in him that when he goes in, it won't be a huge drop-off 
from those two other guys. But, you know, those two other guys are, uh, you know, good football players and, and probably elite in the National Football League. So it's going to take a little while for Alex to catch up with them. Uh, but uh, I think uh, he's got a real good attitude in what we're asking him to do. Uh, he's, he's real good at learning. You don't have to tell him something two or three times. Uh, he usually gets it uh, after the, the, the first time. And I've always thought good defensive football players learn from their mistakes. And what I mean by that is they don't, they don't repeat them. Uh, and I think Alex is that type of guy. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, as the year goes along, uh, he'll get better. Uh, so we won't uh, worry about uh, trading them in and out and resting those guys. All right, we'll go on to Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, go ahead. Uh, you threw uh, TJ right into the starting lineup as a rookie when James was still here. Obviously, that was the right decision. But how did you know back then that it was going to turn out the way it's turned out for TJ here through the first three years? Well, you you watch them uh, in training camp, and, and you know the the advantage we had then again was those four preseason games, and you know that was a big difference for us. You know, we get a chance to see them in live action and uh, see them play at the NFL level before you know we make decisions to do stuff like that. This is uh, a different for us, and. Uh, as different as it's ever been, we don't have those games to rely on to put younger players in into the game and see if they're ready for the National Football League. We got to judge that by what we see in practice, and uh, hence we we we've had a few uh, live sessions in terms of tackling and, and what we call team run and stuff like that. Uh, we haven't had any live stuff against the quarterback. Uh, obviously, we don't want to do that versus Ben, uh, but we, you know, we, we need to. The hard part about this preseason is with there is no preseason, uh, so we have to uh, find that out for ourselves and try to get some live uh, uh, practices against uh, uh, the quarterback and, and you know see if he's he's going to be in a situation where we're going to put him under duress if we can't. So we'll get it, we'll try to get an idea that way with it, and then as we go along, we just you know we still got to rest those guys, those two outside guys, and then uh, put him in there and, and uh, see how he does. All right, we'll go to Mike Brazuda. Mike, go ahead. Hey Keith, as you evaluate your guys individually and collectively, are you noticing number eleven? on offense and how do you think, how do you think he's doing against your pretty good defense well uh you know when we first saw him when i first saw him i, I thought he had brick hands there for a minute but I, i've been real impressed with him as of late that size and that speed uh you know something that's hard to to defend especially you know you get in the red zone and stuff like that and you start playing jump ball with a guy and, he, and he's got that size that he can body you up with or he can out jump you it makes it uh you know tough for us to defend a guy like that so i'm i'm uh, glad we got him uh and 
you know, I think he's going to be a good football player for us. At least he's, he makes it tough on us to defend him. Uh, and uh, he's he's kind of shown up uh, these last uh, last week or so. He's really uh, gotten better, I think. But I'm not coaching him. I'm just, you know, I'm watching him against us. And, you know, if we had to play him, I'm sure we'd, we'd find a way to double him and try to take him out if we could. All right, we'll go to Jeff Hathorn. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Keith, I'm just wondering what role does, <clears throat> excuse me, does Dan McCullers have with this defense? And do you think this is his year to put it all together? I think it's got to be this year for him to put it all uh, together. Uh, we, we've got a, a pretty good defensive line. And uh, I think, uh, you know, as big as he is, and, and when we play the, the uh, three-man front, what we call Oki, then he's going to be singled up a lot on the center. And if he is, then he's got to take that center and push him and put him in the quarterback's lap. He should be able to do that because he's a big man. And uh, I think he understands that, that uh, this, this is a year, kind of the make it or break it year for him. And uh, I think he'll end up uh, helping us in that regard. Although, you know, Tyson is a good player for us too. He does a good job for us inside and outside. He's a little bit more versatile that he can go inside and outside and play and be a good player. We got some young guys that are coming up too and we're taking a look at that uh, we like. Uh, and we'll see um, how they come along uh, for our – for our defensive line, you know, because really during the during the game, when you're wrestling with a guy that's that come, you know, 300 pounds, you get tired. And so Cam and uh, to it, uh, both those guys are going to get tired. We're going to need to to rest them a couple times. Uh, you know, Tyson the same way. You know, we'll play him inside when we're, we're playing our Oki defense. So we've got, I think, a little bit of depth there. Uh, we got to be able to rest those guys and put guys in there that can be productive for us uh, when those guys, uh, you know, when those guys aren't in there. All right, we'll move on to Albie Oxenreiter. Albie, go ahead. Hi, Keith. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. Thanks for your time. Um, quick question about the way this preseason has been in training camp. Right. Do you have any concerns at all? It, it, has there been anything that you're unable to do from a coaching standpoint with the virtual offseason and with no preseason games and with training camp the way it is now? Does anything concern you about that in terms of preparation? Well, I, I've always believed uh, as a player and a coach that you've got to get your body in hitting condition, uh, not just uh, cardiovascular and, and uh, making sure that uh, – uh, you're in good shape in terms of running and stuff like that. The problem is when you hit, you put stress on your on your muscles and your tendons and stuff like that that uh, you can't replicate unless you hit. And so uh, we try to do a, a job of that and making sure we get uh, the hitting done in the pads that we got in order to uh, in order to be ready for that first game. My concern is going to be injuries, really. Uh, the first uh, two or three weeks and, and for people around the league to, uh, uh, and people uh, have their uh, bodies ready for the type of hitting that, that's going to happen on, on the uh, first ball game because it's going to be very, very intense. Uh, 
and it's hard to repl uh, replicate that until you start playing. And so uh, I think our guys uh, and Coach Tomlin uh, is doing a good job in preparing our guys for uh, the situation that we're going to be in uh, those first couple of games, that uh, we've got to be able to play those first couple of games and hopefully uh, keep pe uh, people healthy, uh, much less the, the, the pandemic. All right, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Butts. Um, I'm just wondering, is there any way you guys can get Cam Sutton on the field more, or is it just his versatility is what's, you know, is the best attribute of him right now? Well, that is the best attribute, that he can play multiple positions for us. And uh, uh, we like that out of him, uh, you know, even though he might not be a, a so-called st uh, starter for us, He's still going to play a lot. He's going to play quite a bit. You know, we get in our dime package. You know, he's probably going to be uh, the next guy in in terms of uh, playing our dime position. Uh, so uh, that's like another linebacker. Uh, and sometimes we will – he'll have to play the nickel position, which uh, right now for us, you know, uh, we're in pretty good shape there, uh, I think. And uh, But he, he, he's got uh, – he is smart enough to play most all the positions in the, in the secondary. And so it's, he's valuable to us in that sense that, you know, if somebody goes down, then uh, we got a, a chance to put him in. We'll put him in and uh, not have a big drop off. So uh, just having him uh, helps us quite a bit, I think. All right. We'll uh, wrap it up here with Noah Strachbeam. Noah, go ahead. Hey, Keith. Um, hey. So last time we spoke, you said that you guys were just starting to kick the tires on Stefan Tuitt. Um, have you yeah. seen from him? What have you seen from him? And then Isaiah Bugs, has he shown you? Uh, Isaiah uh, has done a pretty good job for us. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think Tuitt, uh, I'm glad we got him back. Uh, he's, he's doing a good job for us. He, he's kind of picked up where he left off. Uh, so it's going to be nice having him back in the lineup for us, you know, for us uh, in terms of finding the depth that we need uh, at the defensive line. I think we got a couple of uh, good prospects back there. So we'll, we'll see. We got some young guys too uh, that, that we like a little bit. Uh, and so we'll, I'm on, I'm on remain, uh, remain nameless on those guys because I'm, I don't want anybody to know about them, to be honest with you. So, We'll see uh, as we go along, and uh, I, I, but I, I feel good about that position right now. All right, thanks everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you talk to you later today with PJ. That was Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler earlier today uh, with the assembled media. Um, he did that early in the morning and had lots of. Uh, he was he was on fire. He should do all of his interviews early in the morning. Yeah, he's spry and ready to take on the day. Huh? <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, good stuff from Butts, and uh, we're going to hear about one of those guys, or hear from one of those guys that he talked a lot about, uh, T.J. Watt, uh, in this next segment. Uh, but we're going to take a break. He okay. is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Matt, one of the guys that uh, Keith Butler talked about a lot in the previous segment was uh, linebacker T.J. Watt, yep. and he's been one of the stars of training camp, as you would expect. But sure, but the bar is like unblockable. The, the bar is really high for him, and he still continues to jump over it, not mm -hmm. under it. And uh, that's the thing that 
always uh, amazes me when you see a great player continue to ascend. Yeah, that's the thing that you really. Yeah, yeah. And, and I liked what you and Mike were talking about earlier that he came in as a very quiet, hardworking professional, and now is starting to take a little bit more of a leadership role, like we mentioned with Minka too. So yeah, and I great. think you'll, yeah. I think you'll hear some of that here. It comes out in the interview. Our uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store, the Ford F one fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, let's hear what T.J. Watt had to say to reporters earlier today. All right, everybody, we have T.J. here. Uh, just a reminder, some of you already have. Use the raise your hand function, and uh, we will call on you. Uh, we will get started with Tim Benz. Tim, go ahead. Hey, it's DJ. Uh, one thing that was talked about a bit yesterday, uh, Coach Tomlin was asked uh, about the right tackles and um, you sharpening their skills, the pass rusher on that side. Can you speak to us about what you're seeing from Zach and from Chooks? Uh, yeah, I, for me, I, I take it as a challenge to go up against two totally different uh, tackles. And uh, it's always good to not go up against the same guy uh, every single day and to be able to see um, obviously, Chooks is a little bit smaller, uh, a little bit more of a finesse player, um, but he's very, very well improved uh, with his hand punching. And I think Zach has done a good job all offseason of um, getting in shape and uh, being able to compete throughout the whole practice. And uh, I feel like he's done well with his hand punch as well. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I trust my abilities and uh, it doesn't matter who they put out there. All right, let's go to Mike Prezuda. Mike, go ahead. DJ, your defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, said it's realistic to expect Highsmith to get snaps. Uh, what do you think he can do as a rookie, and how often might he be needed to relieve you and Bud? Uh, I, I think Alex has done a great job of just being ready in this, in all these uh, tough circumstances to be a rookie. And I think he, he knows the defense really well. Uh, he's making all the proper calls. He's asking all the right questions. And uh, I feel like he can definitely uh, fill in when needed. And I think Bud and I found out last year that we, we can't play the full game. We can't play every single snap um, if we want to play to our uh, fullest of potential. Uh, so I think he can definitely help rotate in the games this year. All righty, we'll move on to Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, TJ, uh, I've got a spike ball question for you. Uh, we talked to Tyson about it yesterday. He said that the two of you are the best team. Uh, but I was just curious, how did that game start it, and how important is it to have that camaraderie in the locker room, especially in a year where you're not in Latrobe for a normal camp or doing things, building team building the way you normally would be this time of year? Yeah, I think uh, I think Cam brought it in, Cam Hayward. Uh, I think one of his agents sent the gift or something, something along those lines, a, a spike ball uh, game got in our locker room, and obviously we all are very competitive individuals. Uh, we all teamed up, and it's nice because usually it's D-line versus linebackers versus safeties and corners and um, everything like that. But we were able to intermingle teams. I'm with Tyson, and uh, we are just point blank unstoppable. So um, it's we have a championship match, I think, either today or tomorrow with Cam and Tuit. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. All righty, let's move on to Dale Lolly. Dale, go ahead. Hey, TJ, I was just curious uh, what it's been like to, to have uh, your brother Derek in camp with you here. Uh, have you guys been able to even hang out off the field as well? It's been awesome. Uh, very surreal experience just to be able to be out in the practice field and look over and see uh, the Watt in the back of the jersey on, on someone else other than myself and um, just be able to go over there and talk to him about 
uh, how he's enjoying his experience in Pittsburgh because I'm getting so I'm so used to the process here that it's all new for him. Um, so sometimes I may take things for granted that he's seeing for the first time. And um, I've obviously been able to see him a lot off the field as well. Uh, he lives in my neighborhood here in Pittsburgh. So it's, it's been awesome to be able to see him, his family, and uh, obviously my nephew as well. All right, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, TJ. Uh, you were one of the finalists for the uh, defensive player of the year last year, 14-plus sacks. I'm sure you're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. How do you uh, ready yourself, anticipate for uh, offenses gearing to take you out of the game? I think it's very difficult when you have uh, the, the line that we have, the, just the defense that we have, all the weapons. I mean, you look at Cam Hayward, too. You got Tyson rotating in, but on the other side, and then all of our blitzers from the back end as well. Uh, I think that's the, the amazing thing about our defense is that you can't really pinpoint one player. Otherwise, the other three are going to take advantage. And uh, I'm just very fortunate to be able to be on this defense and uh, be part of something bigger than just myself. All right. Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Hey, TJ. Um, couldn't help but notice uh, that, you know, the, the Subway commercial with your brothers that ran uh, a bunch during the offseason, the, the TV show, uh, you know, that you guys put together. I mean, are you getting more comfortable in having your profile being raised outside of just strictly football? I mean, you're – JJ has always been sort of the, you know, out there guy, but it seems like you're starting to get a little more comfortable in, in, in having a somewhat of a similar um, profile. I guess you could say a little bit, trying to stick my toe in the water. Um, I, it's, it's very important for me to be a football player first and to be the best football player that I can possibly be and to make sure that nothing off the field interferes with it, whether that's the commercial shoots, the TV um, shows, all that stuff doesn't matter if I'm not performing on the field. So first and foremost, it will always be, uh, me being a football player, uh, but when it comes to doing those shows and the, the subway commercials and things along those lines, um, obviously I've seen Jay do that stuff for years, and it's always fun to um, put myself out of my own comfort zone and try new things. All righty, let's move on to Joe Rudder. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, TJ, do you and Bud set any kind of individual goals for each other, and in what ways do you kind of push each other? I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily individual goals, nothing public that I know of. I, I'll never publish my, my individual goals. Um, but there's always, I, I just want to be able to be a game wrecker. I want to be able to be somebody that the other team has to scheme around. And I know that the same goes for Bud as well. And uh, we push each other each and every day. And he learns new moves throughout the offseason, and so do I. And uh, just making sure that there aren't many times in practice where we're just kind of sitting on the sidelines not working on our game. Um, if it's a special teams period, neither of us are out there. We're trying to be on the sidelines, uh, trying to help each other out, become the best players that we can possibly be. All right, we'll move on to Jeff Hathorn. Jeff, go ahead. TJ, obviously you had a couple of years at Latrobe. What has this been like training at Heinz Field? You can just give us an idea of, of how the team has adapted to this. Yeah, it's been an adjustment period. I think that's kind of league-wide. Everybody this time of year is, is not normal. Uh, but this whole season is going to be normal. There's going to be a lot of adjusting. And I think that uh, the team that adjusts the quickest uh, is going to be the most successful. And I feel like we've done a good job of that, of just kind of taking things in stride. And at the end of the day, what happens in, in between the white lines and the football field um, is what's going to determine the best team. And uh, I feel like we've been able to put away all the distractions um, whether we're in Latrobe, whether we're here at Heinz Field or at the South Side, um, and just play football at the end of the day. And I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we've been able to put in so far. All right, Jim Wexel. Jim, go ahead. 
Uh, TJ, two-parter. Um, first part, how, how are you? What's the plan to get JJ in here? And the second part is um, you and Bud, your sack total came within one, one and a half of the team record. That record was set in uh, 2008, championship team. You guys went eight and eight. What, what, I mean, with your quarterback, how much can that help your numbers? I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to take to get JJ. That's not for me. That's for him and his agents and all that stuff. That's way above my pay grade. Um, as far as I, I don't, I don't like to talk about individual statistics, whether it's for me, Bud, or anybody on our team, because, like you said, we were eight and eight, and bottom line is that wasn't good enough. And I think that uh, you can't pin that on one position group, one person. Um, it's us collectively as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we have to do a better job uh, this preseason time, this camp, um, and then obviously trying to get the ball rolling and start off the right way in New York and uh, keep the ball rolling from there. All right, let's go to uh, Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. Hey, TJ, I wanted to ask you one more about Derek. Uh, not necessarily the, the off-field aspect of it, which you guys have talked about a lot, but how much can he help? This running game. I mean, I know you've you've played against him. You've you've had to scout him in that sense, and I'm sure you've also just watched him uh, a lot when when you guys aren't playing at the same time. Uh, what, what can he do here as he tries to uh, fill in at fullback for this team? I think that he's just a, a very well-rounded athlete. Uh, first and foremost, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can line up wide and run run crisp routes. Uh, obviously, we know that he can block being a fullback, whether it's routing a guy out uh, backs on backers or if it's cutting on the edge, uh, I think that he can he can do a multitude of things. And that's just on the offensive side of the ball. I think then you look into his special teams, leading the NFL in special teams tackles. Uh, it's very impressive. And I know that he takes great pride in just being the ultimate team player and trying to make an impact uh, the best way that he can for his team. So I'm excited to have him. All right. Let's move on to Teresa Varley. Teresa, go ahead. Hey, TJ. How you doing? I'm great, Teresa. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Seems like there's been a lot of energy at practice. Without the preseason, he to show the young guys, you know, to keep that energy up, have practice, be very competitive. So the guys just coming in, the young guys can see that to know what to expect when they go out there full fire for the first regular season game. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of show the young guys that without preseason games, you are going up against the same guys each and every day. And you're not going to always have that adrenaline that you would um, if you were playing in those four preseason games. And also another aspect is once we go into these stadiums, there aren't going to be fans. If there are very few, um, there isn't going to be a lot of hype uh, in the stadium that you're going to be able to physically feel. Um, so you have to get yourself up for these moments. And uh, what better setting to do that than here in training camp? Um, you're not always going to feel like playing football or that you're going to be 100% out there and um, being super hyped. So I think it's important for us to feed off of each other. Uh, for me, I want to be one of those energy guys and lead by example um, just to try to carry the team um, as far as having a, an emotional uh, get-ready-to-play football uh, type of atmosphere, even though the, the fans aren't going to be in the stands necessarily. All right, we'll move on to Albie Oxenreiter. Albie, go ahead. Hey, TJ, how are you? I'm great. Um, do you feel, as a team, do you, got, do you feel momentum this deep into training camp? Uh, you talked a couple minutes ago about how nothing is normal and you have to adjust. But that being said, do you feel you guys have gained momentum in, in your workouts and now that you've been in pads at, at Heinz Field? Absolutely. Um, like I said, we, we're just 
keep continuing to gel and grow as a unit. Um, Steve Nelson going into his second year here in Pittsburgh. You have Devin Bush going into his second year as well. Um, and we just feel super fast. We feel super physical. Um, it, I mean, we're flying around. We are making a ton of plays, uh, making life very difficult on the offense. And uh, it's just fun to see who's going to make the play next. And uh, that's the great thing about our defense. We don't care who's making the plays as long as we're all making them together. All right, we got time for two more. We'll go to uh, Hugh Ringer. Hugh, go ahead. TJ, uh, you've had an amazing three-year career so far here with the Steelers. You came in as a number one pick. Most people thought you'd be very good. You have uh, transcended uh, many expectations. How were you able to do this? Is it uh, the what way or what is it? Well, thank you for the generous uh, introduction there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just hard work. I think uh, I've always had kind of had the plan of how I wanted to enter the NFL. And obviously I had the blueprint from both of my brothers of just wanting to put my head down and work as hard as I possibly can. Um, not doing a lot of talking. Uh, if you go back to all my interviews as a rookie, I probably was very shy. I didn't want to say a lot at all. Um, and, and just wanted to work, wanted to soak up as much information as I possibly could and gain the trust of my teammates. And then year two, try to kind of develop more and take that huge jump that Coach Tomlin always talks about from year one to year two. And uh, the number one consistent thing year in and year out is just the hard work and always wanting to get better. Uh, there's still so many assets in my, so many parts of my game that I want to um, continue to grow in uh, that I can always get better at. So I'm just very eager, very eager to start this season, but also understand this process of training camp is a time for me to improve um, not only personally, but as a teammate as well. All right, we'll wrap it up with Missy Matthews. Missy, go ahead. Hey, TJ, just curious, you mentioned a special teams period. You and Bud get to a, a chance to keep working. What's something that you guys do? And also, what is the biggest improvement you've seen with Bud so far during this training camp? We've been working hands. We've been working hands like crazy. Um, I know he sees a, a pastor's coach or two in the off season, and uh, I'm not huge on seeing uh, individual pastor's coaches. So I just uh, kind of work on my own drills and um, try to share as much as I can with him. But most, more than not, I'm picking his brain, trying to figure out what, what new things he's learned in the off season. Um, and out of butt, I think, uh, I mean, just the intensity that he's bringing this camp. Uh, he's made a, a ton of plays. He's always been, um, a really well-rounded player in the run and in the pass. And uh, I just I just see him him being super eager to, to learn and to be able to make plays and be that uh, that staple the right side of the defense with him and Cam. And uh, obviously, two and I will handle the left. T.J. Watt is all about kicking butt and yeah. well, kicking butt, and he's all out of anything else to do. So that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, that's what he sure does, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, – yeah, I thought that was some good stuff from TJ. That's the first time we've had an, an opportunity really to talk to him in a while. Yeah, uh, very impressive. In the off season, it sounds uh, like his play has uh, been more impressive. Yeah, really looks uh, really looks good. Looks sharp. Looks ready to go for this season. But uh, that's going to do it for the training camp report today. Uh, for my partner here, Matt Williamson, for Mike Pursuta, who joins us in the first hour, and for Wesley Euler, who get, keeps us on the air and plays all. These uh, great tunes. The I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio.